0: Welcome to the Hooked on Fantasy Podcast with your host, Luke Sawhook. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the first episode of the Hooked on Fantasy podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into the episode. Very, very excited about this brand new fantasy football show coming at you two times a week, live every Tuesday and Thursday night on twitch.tv slash Sawhook. The times will vary with my work schedule, but just stay tuned over on my Twitter account at Luke SawHook for more information on the start date of the show and the time. Thank you so much for giving my show a chance. I really appreciate it. As an independent content creator still in college, it's a really difficult and constantly changing journey, and you know, building an audience and building a brand. So I really appreciate you being here and giving me a chance to entertain you and inform you uh, with all the other content that's out there in the fantasy football ether, if you will. But uh, with all that being said, I'm really happy that you're here tonight. We have a fun show for you here to start off the Hook on Fantasy Podcast, talking Super Bowl recap, talking news and notes from around the NFL trade drama with some big franchise quarterbacks, and a mini free agency preview for you tonight. Thank you once again for joining me, and let's get right into the news and notes from around the league. Starting things off, we have to talk about the Super Bowl recap, of course, right? Super Bowl Sunday was just two short days ago, even though it feels like an eternity. The Kansas City Chiefs are Super Bowl champions, and a controversial ending Um, But in my opinion, I I just want to say this before before we get into it. I think the call was justifiable. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. Throw stones at me. Cast them them to me on Twitter if you would like. Uh, But I think it was a justifiable call. I really do. Even the Eagles player admitted that it was a hold. There's a screenshot. He's clearly tugging on his jersey. Does it suck in the moment that that call ended the game? Of course. But I think if that play happened in the first quarter or the second quarter, I feel like people would agree that it was definitely a flag. I don't know if it's an unpopular opinion, but that's just my take on the matter. But Jalen Hurts balled out in the Super Bowl, four total touchdowns, over 300 all-purpose yards, and it's unbelievable that this team did not win. I believe the all-time record for teams where I forget what the stat was, but it was some crazy stat where like if the quarterback has like four touchdowns or something like that, teams are like 39 and one or 29 and one in the Super Bowl or something. Um, something crazy that, you know, Mahomes defied the odds and came back and won this game, even though Jalen Hurts is putting on the performance of a lifetime. Ah, it was an unbelievable game top to bottom. Absolutely. Uh, I think the thing that honestly lost the Eagles, the game, uh, you got to think about a couple plays first and foremost, you have to think about the Jalen Hurts fumble. He caught up the football and gave the chiefs a scoop and score touchdown. I mean, that's free seven points at the time in that game. I don't know if it was the first or second quarter. I believe it was the second quarter. Uh, where Patrick Mahomes and company were down 7-14, to Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles had the ball, up 7. Hurts puts the ball on the ground, scoop and score back for a touchdown, ties the game. That is a huge momentum swing. If the Chiefs did not get that scoop and score, the Eagles quite easily could have gone down the field, scored again, and went up two touchdowns. I don't think people talk enough about how crucial that play was, and we actually have a comment here from Hunter and chat, which I totally agree with, saying that hurts was a Super Bowl MVP. No question, I agree 100%. I think that if you are seriously looking for the MVP of that game, regardless of winning team or losing team, without a doubt, it was Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts put on the performance of his life in that game, and it's honestly a damn shame that he lost. I mean, I was I didn't really have a team I was rooting for in that game, I was just kind of rooting for a good game between two great teams with great players, and we got that right. I mean, I think. It kind of sucks that that game came down to, uh, you know, everyone's going to be talking about the refs, you know, rigging that game for the Chiefs forever and ever and ever. And is it somewhat justified? I mean, yes, right? I mean, of course it was a controversial call. Um, but I think that game should be remembered as a quarterback duel of the century between two young faces of their franchise and Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that is one of the best Super Bowl matchups you could have possibly gotten this season. I think, in my opinion, you know, before the playoffs even started, that was the playoff matchup that I was that I was rooting for, you know. That was the that was the playoff matchup that I was rooting for. I was wanting the Kelsey Bowl the entire time, you know. I wanted to see those two those two brothers uh, go at it, you know. I was really really interested in seeing that matchup of the two number one seeds, and we got it. You know, it lived up to every single ounce of the hype, in my opinion. You know, we got to see. Um, excuse me, sorry. Uh, I I really just hated to see a game that good come down to an ending that was that controversial to the point where fans are just saying the game was rigged, uh, you know that everything was just completely ruined. Um, in my opinion, I think that that game was one of the best Super Bowls of the last five to ten years. Um, you know, If you look at every single play going on back and forth, I think that you have to keep in mind that a game that high scoring does not happen very often. That was, I think, the third highest scoring Super Bowl of all time, if I'm not mistaken. Definitely top five. I mean, that was a show put on by both quarterbacks, and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, Hope you guys enjoy the game as well. Congratulations to all my Chiefs fans out there. And Eagle Man, I'm sorry. Hopefully you'll be back. But it is what it is at this point. All right, well, that's a Super Bowl recap here. Let's get into some more rumors from around the league here. First and foremost, I want to talk about Derek Carr. Derek Carr, quarterback for the Las Vegas Raiders. He's been in Oakland, too. He's been with the Raiders for a long time. He was a phenomenal quarterback for them, honestly. They could never really get it done. Made it through the playoffs a couple times, got a couple playoff wins. I Actually, did they get a playoff one? I'm not sure. I just remember the other year, uh, they gave Cincinnati a run for their money in the first round, and that was a pretty impressive performance by Carr. I've always seen Derek Carr as a pretty underrated quarterback, honestly. I think he can do everything that you want from a franchise guy. He's accurate. He's a great leader. You know, he's, He's everything that you really need in the quarterback. And they finally went out. And got him some good weapons this offseason with Devontae Adams, his college wide receiver one. And, you know, Adams wanted to play with Derek Carr. And everyone thought the Raiders are going to be in for a pretty good season this year. You know, they got Chandler Jones on the other side of the ball on defense, too, to pair up with Max Crosby, who's one of the most, I think, probably the most underrated edge rusher in the NFL. Maybe the most underrated defender. I don't know about that. There might be somebody in the secondary who's a little bit more underrated than him. But as far as an edge rusher, Max Crosby can do anything and everything. He's an absolute beast. Uh, And I think that he is incredible. But anyway, they paired him with Chandler Jones. Everyone thought that the Raiders were going to be a pretty good team this season. You know, like going into the year, I think a lot of people thought that in the AFC West, the Raiders were the team that was likely going to come in last place, you know, because everyone thought the Broncos were going to be Super Bowl contenders and then the Chiefs and Chargers, obviously, right? But I think everyone still kind of assumed that this team was still going to, you know, maybe sneak in the playoffs in a wild card or, you know, win eight to ten games, right? Um, but they disappointed expectations, and I think it's it's largely because of their defense. Their defense was the problem here in L.A. Not in L.A., sorry, in Vegas. And they also had a lot of injuries on offense, too. You know, Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller, two integral parts of that, that Raiders passing attack, was out for a large part of the season, you know, a large part of the season. And, you know, um, when you're a quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion, the most important thing that you can have is good weapons. I mean, obviously, the offensive line is incredibly important, right? Well, I think we've seen teams in the past, like the Bengals from last season, get by with a mediocre offensive line and great weapons, but it's really, really hard to have nobody to throw to in a good offensive line, for example, right? But, you know, when you look at the Raiders, they had Devontae Adams, Mac Hollins played all right for them this year. Josh Jacobs was phenomenal for them on offense. He had a career year. They still struggled, absolutely struggled. So this offseason, I feel like the Raiders are in a weird spot. And do I think that them letting Derek Carr go ultimately is a bad choice? Maybe, maybe. I think he's a good quarterback. Is, is, it, is it stupid to let a good quarterback go? Absolutely, yes. But the thing with the Raiders right now is, are are they in a place to win? I don't think so. And that is the thing that's most important here, is I don't think that they were in a spot to let Derek Carr succeed. So I think letting him go might be a, a good decision in terms of mutual interest. Um, but overall, I, I don't love them letting him walk. You know, he he demanded a release. Um, I think today or yesterday, and it has been officially granted today, officially releasing uh, Derek Carr. Uh, It's a shame that they couldn't get anything for him in the trade market, but I think it's a wise move for Carr as a player to want a release and want to go to a team who actually wants him and who he wants to play for as well. He's definitely going to be a starting quarterback next season, and some teams that I think that could be a fit for him. Uh, First thing that comes to mind as a backup plan for Aaron Rodgers, which we'll get to in a second here, is the Jets. I think the New York Jets are in a desperate need for a veteran quarterback who is just, you know, good. They don't need, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes, right? This team has a really good defense. Brace Hall can, you know, lean on in the running game. Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore are two dynamic young wide receivers. They just need somebody who can come in here and run the offense, you know? Zach Wilson's a bust. We can get rid of him. We can, you know, toss him aside. Mike White, you know, the backup quarterback sensation, he played pretty decent football for the Jets this year. But again, you know, he's Mike White. He's not a top 35 quarterback in the NFL, definitely not top 32, not, not starting, call, uh, starting quarterback quality, excuse me. Derek Carr is absolutely starting uh, quarterback quality. You know, he's a top 15 quarterback pretty easily in my mind. Uh, you know, he's going to be a good starting quarterback for whatever team he goes to. And I think the New York Jets have to be a perfect fit for Derek Carr if Aaron Rodgers doesn't work out. Some other teams that people are bringing up, uh, you know, the Saints are very, very heavily linked to the, uh, to Derek Carr. They're very interested in them. Because they have have an older roster. You know, they have a good defense. They have some pieces on offense with Camaro and Alave and all those guys. So they're still all in. You know, they want to get a quarterback who can come in there and win games. You know, since Drew Brees retired, they've been trying to find that replacement, that guy to come in here and take out the mantle. Jameis Winston didn't really work out. The Taysom Hill experiment was a complete failure. Andy Dalton obviously was not the answer this year. They're in a weird limbo bridge gap phase. And Derek Carr could add some more. You know, he's definitely a clear upgrade over those guys. So I think it would make sense for the Saints to get him. But ultimately, it's still not my favorite destination. Buccaneers also make a ton of sense. Tom Brady retired. Bring in Derek Carr. You know, it's replaceable production at this point. You know, Tom Brady definitely looked older. I wouldn't say his age because, you know, most quarterbacks don't play over 40 and look nearly as good as Tom Brady did last season. But still, you know, Carr can come in there and do okay with the pieces in place there. Also, uh, you know, Hunter Bear in the the chat also threw out there the, the Titans. I think that's also an interesting fit. For Derek Carr, it would definitely be a clear upgrade over Ryan Tannehill. Malik Willis is still a long term project. Maybe he'll never be ready. Um, so it makes sense for them to move on from Tannehill and add in a guy like Derek Carr. Absolutely. And uh Woo Warrior in the chat said Mike Evans is the perfect weapon for Derek Carr. Absolutely agree. You know, we saw Devontae Adams uh, have a fantastic season this year with Derek Carr. So, I mean, we know he's capable of supporting uh, high end wide receivers as well. All right, moving on here to uh, Mr. Darkness Retreat himself, Mr. Ayahuasca. Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, tons of drama right now with Aaron Rodgers. It's not – I wouldn't say it's a, the story that's climax right now. Like I said, he's still taking time to do his hippy-dippy, you know, uh, internal reflection, which is nothing wrong with that, by the way. I, I think it's kind of weird how the the media, the national media, has is, is kind of portrayed Rodgers as like a bad guy for wanting to take time to himself in the offseason and, you know, ponder his future. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all, honestly. Um, and I, I think that Aaron Rodgers is a guy who – you know, is is more than capable of still producing at a high level and an elite level. You know, he's a back to back MVP in 2021 and 2022 seasons. Uh, sorry, 2020 and 2021 seasons, excuse me. Mahomes is a 2022 MVP. Um, but you know, this season he had a uh, pretty bad wide receivers. You know, he lost Devontae Adams out to Vegas and Derek Carr. Christian Watson emerged, but he really wasn't all that special. And then he broke his thumb, you know, he played with a broken thumb for most of the season on his throwing hand, I mean, that's obviously going to hold you back a little bit, right? Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers. The only thing that's a little shaky with him is he kind of has, you know, a Kyrie Irving level of uncertainty around him in terms of, you know, is he really committed to football long-term? He's very much a season-to-season fit for Rodgers, right? The two teams I think he will end up with, I don't think he comes back to Green Bay. I'm not going to lie. I mean, relationships have been rocking Green Bay with Rodgers the last two years now. I mean, it's, it's been rumored to leave the last couple off seasons, right? But Jordan Love looked good in minimal action this year. I think that it would make sense for them to see what Jordan Love can do for a full season for their organization this coming year. I think it makes a lot of sense for them as well. to part ways with Aaron Rodgers in Rodgers and kind of a mutual agreement kind of sense. Uh, you know, Rodgers is a veteran guy. He's on a season to season kind of approach right now. The relationship is just kind of done there. I think he wants to move on. I think he wants a fresh scene. And the two teams that are very heavily linked to, them, uh, to him excuse me, are the New York Jets and the Las Vegas Raiders. So I think first and foremost, I think the Jets would be a phenomenal fit for Aaron Rodgers. If I were a Jets fan or if I were the Jets organization, I would do everything I could to try to land Aaron Rodgers. I think it's 100% worth the investment. The only thing holding me back from being like, yes, go all in, is, again, that season-to-season Uncertainty with Rogers' future as a player, right? We don't know if he's going to be locked in for the future long term, right? He could be there for one year, he could be there for two, he could be there for four, you know, who knows, right? He's he's very much a question mark at this stage in his life. You know, he's done everything he wants to do on a football field, he's ready to retire, you know, and I can't blame him. He's had a phenomenal career, easily a first-bout Hall of Famer, one of the most talented quarterbacks to ever put on a helmet. Uh, you know, fantastic career for Aaron Rodgers. I think the Jets make a lot of sense for him for a couple reasons. First and foremost, Great defense. Uh, you know, they have a lot of great young pieces on that side of the ball. Sauce Gardner obviously is an elite corner who can lock down anybody and everybody, especially come playoff time. And, you know, that's what you got to think about. You know, in the AFC, you're going to be playing against a lot of great teams in the playoffs. You're going to be facing against Jamar Chase and Tee Higgins. You're going to be playing against Stephon Diggs and Buffalo and so on and so forth. There are a lot of fantastic players and Sauce Gardner is going to give you a huge advantage there. Second, great coaching. I think Robert Sala uh, Sala has proved himself to be a, you know, a competent coach, a good leader of men, especially a defensive-minded head coach. I think that's a nice pairing for Rodgers. They can focus on the other side of the ball more. And let Aaron Rodgers kind of do his thing on offense, right? They also hired an offensive coordinator that Rodgers is, you know, notoriously familiar with and likes. So that's a big, big fit there. And then also Garrett Wilson, man. Garrett Wilson would be a elite wide receiver next year, taking huge strides with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he obviously already won Offensive Rookie of the Year this season uh, with horrible quarterback play. I mean, just imagine Aaron Rodgers and him. man! It would be unbelievable for fantasy. Easily a top five wide receiver, in my opinion. Easily. Um, Very, very excited to see what happens there with Rodgers uh, and the Jets. But, you know, the Raiders, uh, I won't spend too much time on it. I think it's kind of gross. I mean, I get it pairing up Devontae and Rodgers again is nice. But their main issues are defense. I think, honestly, the Raiders need to go all in and get Rodgers and make some more improvements on the defensive side of the ball or i think they need to blow it up you know they're like a dynasty fantasy football team who's kind of stuck in a weird limbo middle stage you gotta pick one man you gotta rebuild or you gotta go all in i think they're in a really weird spot so i think rogers is gonna give them you know a sense of where they're heading uh, in terms of direction wise all right well that's gonna do it for the news and notes segment let's get into our main segment of the day fantasy uh, fantasy football mini free agency preview here let's go All right. There are not a ton of fantasy relevant or fantasy superstar free agents in the NFL this offseason, but there are pretty big notable names, you know, uh, pretty few big notable names. First and foremost, I think the the most interesting player in free agency this offseason is going to be Tony Pollard. Now, Tony Pollard, I'll keep this short because it is expected that Dallas is going to franchise tag him, which is, I think is a mistake, quite frankly. I think the Cowboys are spending way too much money on the most re- replaceable position in football with Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. If they were to do that, it, it's very heavily reported that Ezekiel Elliott would take a pay cut to stay with the Cowboys on a smaller, co- uh, smaller contract and kind of be a part of that mix there still because I don't think he wants to leave. I think his career would easily start to wind down pretty quickly if he leaves Dallas, uh, you know, as his age and his decline continues. But Tony Pollard is a very, very promising young player. You know, he's still in his younger years for a running back. He's been fantastic for Dallas over the last couple seasons, especially this year. He took a huge leap forward, and he was a very, very impressive on the field. His burst, his elusiveness, his ability to catch the football is fantastic. And I think he's ready to step into more of a workhorse role for a team or at least be a 1A of a committee. Um, I think some teams that make sense would be the Bills. I think the Panthers also make a lot of sense. You know, they need a a Christian McCaffrey replacement. But outside of that, man, I I don't really know. It's it's not the best market for free agent running backs right now in terms of the way NFL values those players in general. But I think Pollard ultimately will land back in Dallas. There you go. Up next, we have Jacoby Myers, uh, a very, very interesting, underrated wide receiver, in my opinion. He's had a fantastic career with the Patriots. You know, very, very successful, very underrated with the quarterback play. Uh, you know, bland offense with Matt Patricia, Matt Patricia, excuse me, and Mac Jones this past season, right? Um, but I think Jacoby Myers has proved himself in every single sense of the word um, over the course of the last couple seasons as a quality wide receiver, a quality route runner, uh, and just a quality player. I think he can be a very good wide receiver, too. On a contending team. I don't really know exactly where he'll land, but I think there should be a lot of teams interested in Jacoby Myers. And I like him as a buy-in dynasty right now. If you can send a 2024 20, second for Jacoby Myers, uh preferably mid to late, I think it's a good deal. I think he'll get you a uh, wide receiver two to three production for uh hopefully for the for the future. You know, I, I think that he's a solid, solid player. Moving forward, we have Josh Jacobs. Uh, You know, mentioned him a second ago. He had a career year this past season for the Vegas Raiders, who made a horrible mistake to decline his fifth-year player option, in my opinion. I think they definitely should have taken it. You know, in in hindsight, uh, he played fantastic this year. And to get him back on a fifth year of that deal would have been a fantastic success for the Raiders, in my opinion. But will he resign in Vegas? We don't know yet. We don't know how interested they are in Josh Jacobs. I think this past offseason was kind of a strong indicator they don't care for him too much. You know, drafting Zamir White in the middle rounds this past year and declining his fifth-year option was – Kind of signs that they did not care to keep him around too much, right? Did not value that player. Um, but, you know, he could leave. I, we'll see. Or, I mean, sorry, he could stay. You never know, really, after giving them such great production this season. Um, he's going to be a guy I'm very interested to see where he goes. He either could stay with the Raiders, or I think he could get like a James Conner to Arizona type deal. Maybe a little bit better than that, where he goes to a team, be the 1A of a committee, or you know, still lead back. That's really a true bell cow workhorse kind of guy, but – Decent money and, you know, get a job. I think he'll definitely land on his feet, though, regardless. Up next, here we have DJ Chark. Uh, listen, you know, DJ Chark had some success in, and you know, Jacksonville a couple seasons ago. He has been pretty solid, you know, in terms of real-life success for Detroit this past year as a field-stretching talent. For fantasy, I don't really have the highest expectations for Chark. I think he could be, at best, a weekly flex play in the future. Um, but I think he definitely can get some decent money in free agency. I think he's a quality wide receiver who's proven himself to be reliable, uh, you know, a vertical stretching, uh, you know, big play threat guy, which, you know, a lot of teams are lacking that kind of player. Um, there's a lot of teams who could use a DJ Chark out there. I think he'll get a decent contract. I would expect it to be somewhere in the range of uh ten to six million dollars a year, maybe something along the lines of a, a cheaper Marquez Valdez scantling contract with the Chiefs. Something like that, I think, makes sense for DJ Chark. Up next, we have Juju Smith-Schuster. I'll keep this one kind of brief. You know, he had a pretty solid season with the Chiefs this year on a one-year deal. I think it just makes a lot of sense for him to return. You know, they they won the Super Bowl. Juju had a pretty decent game with the Super Bowl. I don't think he's going to get a lot of money to stay in Kansas City. Uh, Maybe he'll leave. I I don't think it's likely, though. I think he's happy there. I think he likes it in Kansas City. I think Kansas City likes him. I think it makes a lot of sense for those two just to return. So I think Juju will likely end back up in Kansas City this season. On to tight ends here. We actually have some pretty interesting fantasy pieces here in free agency for tight ends. First and foremost, we have Dalton Schultz, who really was great this year with Dak Prescott, a quarterback. I would think that the Dallas Cowboys would be very smart to hold on to Dalton Schultz, and I really hope they resign him. But if they don't, I I still have interest in Schultz to see where he lands. There's not a ton of tight end needy teams out there, in my opinion. It's very interesting uh, to think about what the tight end free agent market would look like. You know, there haven't been a ton of big name free agent tight ends out there recently. You know, I think a Hayden Hurst kind of situation for Dalton Schultz would be awesome. Go to a team that has a good quarterback, a contender, not the cheapest contract, but be able to go and be a nice contributor on a week-to-week basis would be great. You know, I think Schultz will be in a top-10 fantasy tight end next season pretty easily if he gets a you know a decent contract from another team. But if not, if he stays in Dallas, I think he's possibly a top-five tight end next year. You know, with, with Dak Prescott at the helm, he's a phenomenal fantasy football tight end. Next up here, we have Evan Ingram to wrap up the show. Uh, you know, Ingram proved a lot this year in Jacksonville. He really did. You know, he had a lot of doubters coming off his time in New York. You know, he had, he had his reputation for having stone hands, having, a, you know, the troubles catching the football, right? You know, but he, he was great for the Jaguars this past season. You know, he was really good in the playoffs as well. Um, you know, he was utilized the way he should be utilized in Jacksonville, in my opinion, as a as a slot wide receiver, tight end kind of hybrid, you know, treat him as a field stretcher. get you know, treat him as a yak guy, get the ball in his hands and let him, you know, do his thing. Um, he proved a lot this year. And I hope he gets a sizable contract to hopefully return to Jacksonville where he can have some sustained career success or maybe find another home. He's still very, very young. Um, and I think that he will have a, a you know a very successful, successful career moving forward. All right, guys. Well, that'll wrap up the mini free agent preview, and that'll do it for the very first episode of Hooked on Fantasy. Once again, if you made it to this point in the episode, thank you so much. I ask very kindly that if you enjoyed the episode, you would leave a review and tell your friend or share on social media that you enjoyed the first episode. Thank you so much for being here. It really, really means a lot for me to give uh, give my show a chance. And I'll see you again for another episode on Thursday with our very first guest, Jack, Cov- uh, Jack Cavanaugh. Very excited to have him on the show. I've been on his podcast before, and he's a very awesome analyst, uh, big personality and, you know, a great guy to talk to. So looking forward to that and I'll see you guys soon. Thank you again for being here. Have a great day, everybody. Much love. See you soon. Goodbye.